0: I've looked at a few things. Um, people remarked that my, my crazy efforts a while back were kind of interesting. Um, so maybe let's do that. And I'm going to be, I think, I'm going to be very mean. Um, I was watching, um, I still want to get back onto to Bloomberg. I've actually started watching a bit of it. What do I watch? So I was watching market surveillance on on Bloomberg the other day. I think it was the 14th. It's now cutting it on Saturday the 16th.
1: And joining us now is Ben Gutterich, the investment director over at Invesco. Ben Ben Gutterich
0: over at Invesco. Investment director. What is an investment director? Um, We're going to look into Invesco shortly. What is an investment director? Why do we care? are, Invesco. Why are they on TV? Why are we talking about them?
1: And wonderful to start the programme with you this morning. Let's start here. What is there to like about the US equity market currently?
0: Ben, sorry, let me, as a capitalist, let me get that one. What is there to like about the US equity market presently? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> But let's see what Ben thinks.
1: Uh, well, I think quite a bit, actually.
0: Oh, wonder of wonder of wonder. A guy who pedals, a guy who needs AUM thinks there's a lot to be said for US equities at the moment. Forgive me. Okay, but but why? Why would the Fed go to like hold and more cautious? Presumably meaning, mm, yeah, maybe the medicine is working. Why would that be conceived of being positive for equities? Because equities, if you will, have rallied for the pause. Why should the pause elicit a further pause rally? Don't
1: get it. You know, I think the backdrop is of resilient growth uh, and uh, a policy uh, cohort that uh, will probably decide to go on hold from here. And that type of mix, yeah, resilient growth, more accommodative or less hawkish policy, could uh, could fuel yet more gains in the uh, in the US equity market. Of course, with the, all the other long-standing tailwinds for the US equity market, including sort of innovation and, and a place mm-hmm. where shareholders can, can enjoy the spoils of that innovation as well.
0: Man, I'm sorry, but I mean, you know, uh, falling back upon innovation, U.S. is a stock-friendly place to invest. Kinda doesn't crack the egg, my dear friend, when we're trying to justify why we should be committing allocations at this juncture. Play like at Invesco every day, are you literally making up the theories as you go? Or- are you literally making it up as you go at Invesco? I kind of like Invesco, the answer. I'm sure would be refuted. But the answer is, oh, very definitely, yeah, we're making it up. We really do not have a clue, not just, and I'm not, but it's not defamation to the good, honest, hardworking folk at Invesco, it's just a factual comment about this industry. Anyway. Mm. Or is this actually finance and economics from our models of the past that we can use now?
1: Well, a, a, a fascinating uh, reference uh, doesn't come up much, but...
0: Ben's going,
1: ah, ah! <laughs> who told you, like, is there CCTV camera How does he know? Much, but, uh, look, I mean, uh, we're not making it up as we go along. Oh, at
0: yes, he
1: is <laughs> making it up as he goes along. Go along at Invesco, I, I can assure you of that. Uh, but m- my job isn't so much making economic forecasts as uh, as investment forecasts. And uh, if our view is that, uh, you know, rather than pinpoint economic forecasts, if the economy can be relatively resilient, coupled with policy that's, as I say, would take a hike, uh, take take a a pause on hiking, and so is relatively more accommodative, that's like a nice tailwind. I I mean, recessionary risks do linger as we move into next next year; they're quite material. But
0: he's he's completely lost it. He, He he had a script. He was he was just not expecting to be blindsided by a bloody brilliant question. Again, well done, Bloomberg.
1: But for the time being, end of cycle stuff isn't, isn't such a bad period. Okay, but, be but
0: how can the end of the cycle not be anything but a really, really bad period to find yourself honking on a lot of risk? Jeez. Within your wheelhouse, and given what you just said about a resilient economy, does sixty forty work? I mean, Tomkins, not not everyone's a cup of tea. Frankly, I think the wheelhouse is spinning a little bit out of control. It's like bringing in your uncle and he just like he goes up to your girlfriend and, and the girlfriend says, "Are you a virgin?" You are like uncle, but sixty forty is the class classic um, risk control mechanism. 60% equities, 40% bonds. Uh, the notion being bad things happen and bond prices uh, will be negatively correlated. Uh, you have um, 40% in them and they typically go up a la 2008. However, 2022 convincingly destroyed that. The problem being if your bonds are profoundly overvalued, you don't have any risk and what the majority of um your risk managers, your pension fund managers discovered was they had uh, no risk mitigation in the year 2022. They lost money partout, which is the French word for
1: everywhere. Uh, Well, I certainly think the the, the 60 works. uh...
0: Of course you do, Ben. I'm guessing you're an equity guy. Okay, so the 60% works. Uh, Again, let me just think about that because... There are only seven dumb stalls which are going up, okay? We look at everything else, nothing's really going up. So why does the 60 still work? I'm listening, Ben.
1: Uh, the forty should do a bit better. I mean, clearly it's been a dreadful part of the portfolio for some 18 months, so that
0: been kind of, if you will, journey flirting to the catastrophe, which was the year 2022. I'm going to show you a chart in a minute. A chart that would speak to uh, the, if you will, in, out, on, off with regard to 60, 40, uh, the return um, from bonds and the, versus the return from equities and the earnings yield. Uh, we'll come to that.
1: The mass of the bond component uh, looks a bit more asymmetric. Looks like there should be a little less downside relative to the past. But also, you know, if we have this sort of disinflationary narrative and that the CPI report yesterday sort of supports the idea that the, that it still uh, is that the trends are still disin. Inflationary ex-shelter, but that should sort of come through. Leading, leading indicators on rent suggest that the shelter component can come down. Then a disinflationary backdrop would be okay for the forty as well. It would always encourage a little bit more diversification and alternatives and real assets and a bit of cash.
0: Bluster, bluster. I tell you, I, I would, I, yeah, I, I would buy bananas from Ben down in the market, uh, Portobello Road, but investment advice. I'm not so sure, Ben. Okay, let's look at that chart. Let's try and do Ben's job for him. Okay, so kind of what Ben should have said is like, okay, we put six percent in equities and 40% in bonds, and, and we hope. Um, what and what we try and look at is we look at what does this say? It says EY earnings yield, not EV electric vehicles, cash yield, oops, um, has what does that say has historically led. Cash yield has historically led to equity sellers. Forget that. Um, S and P five hundred earnings yield minus the U S Treasury three month yield. So, the earnings yield you take um, the earnings per share. I'm gonna do an issue. I'm gonna do an episode on why I I never look at earnings. Um, these TV shows are full of people quoting the uh, the earnings per share for the S and P. They're going up. I think the expectations are going to be up double digit next year. Is bonkers. Um, I'll come back to that. But you take that earnings per share and you divide it by the level of the S&P and that gives you a yield. And then you subtract it from essentially cash yield. So it's kind of, um, they're not comparable because cash um, has, I mean, it's nominal and it has no real protection, but um, your returns are definite. But but again, definite only for the period of three months. Your uh, equity return is real, so it's inflation protected, and hypothetically, it's in perpetuity. Anyway, let's say the s and I don't know, what is it on? Is it on 22 times 22 times earnings? So what is the inverse of 20, you know, cancel one, divided by 22, it would have an earnings yield of 4.5%. I mean, let's say it's on 20 times earnings, okay? So it's got an earnings yield of 5%. Well, the three month treasury yield kind of ran about 5.5%. Okay. So, um, what this is that presently you're negative. Okay. And the last time you were negative was at the height of the TMT fiasco. And you nearly got negative in the great financial uh, recession you know, when the housing market uh, imploded in 2007. Um, A great time to buy was six, nine months, twelve months after this period, uh, when the S and P was on his ass, which was March two thousand and nine. And some people would say to you that that was March two thousand and nine up here, yeah, boom, 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 boom. Some people say to you that's because they started or they launched quantitative easing, maybe, or maybe it's because like the Treasuries today you witnessed. A three, in fact, I'm going to say a four standard deviation. S&P was down like two thirds from its high um, in nine months. Um, A four standard deviation, correction in equities, and you had to buy it. Um, Cash,
1: But uh, not not too troubled by a 60-40 portfolio.
0: I wish the great, amazing Ben had mentioned that, um, but he didn't. That's why you have your Patreon service. Portfolio.
1: Ben, it feels like trading the end of a cycle is like dancing on the head of a pin.
0: Trading the end of the cycle feels like dancing on a pin.
1: It is a sad
0: when you have to rely upon the presenters, the entertainers, the jazz singers at Bloomberg to come up with the wisdom. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I'm going to use that. Investing at the end of the cycle (laughs) is not. Like a sanguine is not like a really good time for taking risks. Ben, Ben, you should, maybe you should be a presenter. I mean, I don't even think Ben, you're good enough to be a presenter. Oh, that's unkind. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, I'm being cranky. And
1: how do you know when it's over, when the end of cycle season has just reached the end?
0: I'm losing the sunshine and I'm not liking the color here, but this way. How do you know when to leave? The party you never know but sometimes it's prudent just to get the keys and leave.
1: well i mean that, that's that's sort of the point is it's very difficult to know so, so for a moment there, i thought i was gonna say yeah that's a 60
0: million dollar question yeah it's really difficult to know you yeah, don't say ben ben why are you
1: on this show come on give us your best shot so sort of swinging too defensively is uh, there are some risks in that, and I think. Whereas what Ben
0: was says, whereas being fully invested when your peer group are fully invested, there's really no commercial risk. This I I saw this in the year uh, at the turn of the century when Nasdaq turned and, and collapsed and it brought down like worldwide stocks, um, and the mutual fund managers of which Invesco would have been a competitor were furious, furious because there was one long only. Mutual fund unit trust Europe ex UK manager who didn't lose money in the two, three years of the, the waterfall. Guess who that was? That was me. Um, and it was really bad business for them because it was okay to lose 40, 50, 60, 70. It was okay, they thought it was okay to lose 40, 50, 60 percent of your money as long as the peer group, as long as everyone lost that money. But if there's some, especially one with my accent that looks like me. And he ain't lost money. And the natives go, what's going on? You guys ain't explaining. And I want to say that actually led really to the the re-emergence. Hedge funds are gone. Hedge funds were an oddity. But um, the appalling performance of people like Ben and his cohorts, um, you can see they're still very, very uh, to the fore. Clients went, I need a, I, I need a
1: different strategy. But if you're of the view that the recession, all recessions are obviously awful, but that this recession, the end of cycle event might be relatively mild uh, versus those more recent uh, recessions.
0: Okay, let me repeat. So uh, the Fed has never raised rates by this magnitude. It has never raised rates as rapidly as they have done in the last 18 months. Why? oh, and let me put the other the other caveat and the either side of this, we had the pandemic covid, which has come. I would al- allege my belief system leads me to believe that it has completely made wonky all of the crazy econometric models that the central banks and these guys have used and which have largely failed for three decades, okay? so given all of that, why? oh, and Another, thing, um, you know, the guys, the Fed, were saying, Yeah, but we kind of think this could be a bit of a soft one We don't want to. We don't want to say it, but we think it could be. These the guys that said, yeah, yeah, it' tr- transitory, um, no problem here. Um, you know, we're yeah, we're going to ignore it, and then boom, ten percent price inflation. I think you're fifteen percent uh, year over year in U.S import prices. I mean, this is the wrong crew. Why, Ben? Why would Why would it be likely that the, the coming recession in US, remember, we're in a recession in China, we're in a recession in Europe. Why? Tell me why, Ben. Is it going to be less severe? in the
1: United States, sessions, then that encourages you to, to be a little bit more overweight equities. Yes. We- oh, my God. <laughs> he
0: is Invesco, Investment Solutions. He's an investment director. Um, I kind of want to almost stop there. I'm going to stop there. We should look at, um, is there, can I find Gosh. I mean, look at the, this is 20 years we can do max. Um, so Invesco, and we'll come back to who Invesco are in a second, it's trading at the same price as 1998. Now, I don't know if you can see me. I think you can. Um, that is important. When people are telling you about um, inflation and buying equities, okay, what is Invesco? Invesco is an, an investment manager, would you believe? Um, let's let's read their, their website. Um, Dedicated team, eight thousand four hundred people, twenty six countries. So there's, oh god, I can't bear. Uh, where's the Wikipedia page? Invesco. So um, I mean, Investco is a big investment name. They've got a ton of ETFs, actively managed funds, they manage pension funds, etc. Okay, yeah. so um, Investco is trading fifteen bucks. Um, trading 15 bucks people in 1997. and this is something you've got to keep in your mind um the, the, the world is broken um this is not inflation this is inflation inflationary assets um asset managers would be one of the greatest businesses ever you you know you would uh, you would be getting a fee on this perpetually rising very rapidly rising asset class you're creating inflation in your revenues, and you'd be paying away, yeah, you'd have staff inflation, but you know this would be, um, be like owning a gold broke in the 1970s. Um, it'd be cool. I mean, imagine that over that period, let's put in SPY, in a different world. Um, so there is 1997, SPY was at 100. So the S&P has gone up four and a half times, and Investor is flat. Anyway, the point was, well, was there a point?